0: Welcome to this last edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this twenty seventh of May two thousand twenty one. I'm Joseph Real Deal queen, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. Of course, it's going to be a heavy NBA podcast. So um, we'll do a lot on the NBA with the NBA playoffs. Of course, and of course, last night you had a uh, night where, yeah, you know. The, act, the, the games themselves, eh, you yeah, one good game uh, with the Knicks and, and uh, with the Knicks and Hawks, which was a good game, not a well played game, but a competitive game, uh, a, a, a very much a competitive game. But the story coming out last night, unfortunately, comes from uh, came out of Philadelphia and New York as well. Um, Russell Westbrook was gets uh, hurts his ankle. Leaves the game uh, early in the fourth. I believe it was early in the. It was midway through the fourth quarter, or even early in the fourth quarter. Sometime in the fourth quarter, I wasn't really wasn't into that particular game because you know because you know, the Wizards were just getting pummeled by uh, a team that they are frankly you know just you know overmatched uh, against a team that just, they basically just have no chance against it in terms of the Sixers. So Westbrook leaving the court and he's. Uh, <clears throat> with some with some uh, witches personnel, thankfully that they were there, <laughs> and you had this idiot come out the stands in the stands and dump dumps uh, popcorn on Westbrook. The popcorn got through the canopy that protects the players as they are going uh, into the locker room. Um, so I'm assuming that Westbrook at that point was headed towards the training the training room to get treatment or uh, get his ankle checked out. Uh, his ankle checked out, and of course, this fan dumps popcorn uh, on him. On Westbrook, Westbrook, of course, you know immediately, you know, goes out there, points out the fan, um, and tries to. I'm not going to say he tried to go up in the stands because that's not the case. He was restrained out of just sheer, you know, you are if you if you work for the, if you work for the Washington Wizards, that is your job to protect uh protect the player so i think that was more about them protecting Westbrook than it was uh, you know when it was about then was anything and so i'm not going to say he was going to go in the stands for that cuz that wouldn't be fair uh to Westbrook but you know rightfully so he had every every right to be pissed off um we would later find out that Trey Young was spat on by a fan. And I actually saw that video. That video um, is is just remarkable, you know, with these fans now. Uh, it's kind of a reflection of, of where we are in society and thinking people can just say or do anything to somebody, in particular African-American, and not expect a response. Uh, we've seen a lot of videos with people getting their asses with trying the wrong ma- male or female, uh, uh, Black man or Black woman. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'll get back to that. And I'll, I'll certainly get back to that. Um, it's not enough for, and I and I saw the, you know, I saw the fan, I saw, I read reports that the fans, both fans, from the one from New York and one from Philadelphia were banned, were banned um, for the rest of the season. The one the, the fan from Philadelphia is band banned. Uh, Had his season tickets revoked uh, uh, revoked. Okay, it's not enough. Those those type of actions to me require lifetime bans. Lifetime bans, not just seasonal bans, not just a yearly ban for the following year, but a lifetime ban. Throwing popcorn on somebody, spinning on somebody, that's assault. Let's call it what it is. is a that is assault. It's not, you know, that's not talking about somebody's family or saying something or saying I'm gonna, blah blah. That's not. There's not a verbal threat. No, it goes. You go beyond that. That turns. That's, that is. That turns into the physical when you're talking about dumping popcorn, and you're talking about spitting on somebody, which is even which is much which is even worse than the dumping the popcorn, especially in these you know COVID times, that we live in. Um, I think the NBA with this and the player, listen, the players, this is where if you're a player and players in the NBA have more power than they ever have, we talk about player entire player in power, you know, how how empowered players are and how much control players have. Well, this is a time where you as a player and and you got to flex your muscle. And I'm not just talking about tweeting. As is the case of what LeBron James did last night. And rightfully, and and, and and I understand where he was coming from. He's protecting the players, he's gonna defend the players, and rightfully so. He he's amongst he, they are a fraternity, and there is a brother, especially amongst the uh NBA players. Um, they do support each other, uh, you know, on the court and off the court. But to me, if I'm a player, I really have to watch. And I really have to check my interaction with fans moving forward. So you might have some players who ignore fan, ignore what fans say. And it doesn't get, you know, some you have certain players who just completely ignore it. It doesn't bother them. They they go about their business. And of course you have other players who, you know. Like Westbrook and like some other players in the league who just won't tolerate, tolerate at all, verbally, even verbally. You we saw Westbrook go after, go at the fans in Utah for for racist uh, slur, for racist slurs that were made towards him that he claimed that were made towards him. Those fans, I think those fans were suspended or not banned, but horses were. Uh, I think they weren't kicked out immediately, but I think eventually that they were, that they were. Uh, removed from the arena or kicked out or, or had lost their season ticket. Something happened with that. That was like two years, two or three years ago. But the bottom line is I I think if you're a player, you can no longer ignore things that you deem to be inappropriate or disrespectful. Uh, I think that's where it's gotten to because you have to force the NBA or put pressure on the NBA to hold fans accountable. And it can't be just, well, you know, obviously throwing popcorn, spitting are that's that, that goes without saying that those are are, are, are you know, are punishable offenses. And those are offenses that that deem a, a, a ban to me, a permanent ban, not just a indefinite ban, but a permanent ban. But I think players are going to have to really be cognizant of what's being said to them and not just call it out to a security guard, not just call it out to an official, but just but really go to the NBA and say, look, we, we can't tie. We can't have any of this. So I think that's what players are going to have to do for moving forward. Like there might again, there might be players. I know there are a lot of players who just might completely ignore, ignore what fans say to them, even if it's disrespectful, even if it crosses the line, you know, you're talking about somebody's kids, wife, something like that, that to me, I think it's got to a point where you have to, where you really have to uh, call that out moving forward, and it can't just be in the, certain individuals like a Westbrook or like a, a couple of other players who will call it out. No, it, this has to be a a collective group effort. If you're a, a, if you're a player, that's where we're at right now. Like you, like it's almost like and and I'll say this: there are certain pl- there are players. I mean, LeBron's said this jay crowder i heard jay crowder come out and say this today there are players that like to go but that like to go back and forth with the fans that like talking shit with the fans i think i think as a player you might have to, you might have to check that for the future like i like we, that's where because because here's the thing here's the thing folks people we're in a society now and all this all some a lot is a lot of this connects in terms of race and yes, it is a it, part. Is, is a race issue. They make no mistake. Make make no mistake about it. But we're at a point where, again, you see a number. We saw a number of videos where someone will call call a black person, call a black man, call a black woman a nigger. Get they at, and then get the shit be out of them. And I, we I've seen a number of those videos over the course of the last year. The don't don't think that that type of behavior is not going to get. It's not going to um, get passed on to the sports the sports world with 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 fans coming back. Don't think that it one hundred percent is. And I'm telling you right now, as these fan as fans come and again, fans will the way it's moving right the way it's going right now. Um, next season we're going to have and probably full we're definitely going to have full capacity next season. Uh, in venues across the country, and you're going to have fans out here who are going to tr- who are going to try these players, especially in, especially in the, in the NBA, where the um, the venues are the, where the uh, venues you know it's, it's a more intimate setting. I mean, you're right there. You know, you have great seats. You are you're literally right there uh, within, you know, walking distance of the, of, a, of, a player. I mean, you can really, depending on where you're sitting at, not walking distance, but you're, you know, is you're it, much closer than, of course, a football stadium, you know, football stadium or soccer stadium, something, or even soccer, or even with hockey, which is protected by, uh, the plexiglass. So basketball is easily the most intimate of settings in regards to the four major sports. And again, I think players, this is where you have to flex your muscle. As a player, um, Chris Paul is president of the, so- uh, the Basketball of the Players Association. If I were Russell Westbrook, I would, you know, after the playoffs was over, I definitely would. that would be one of the first calls I've made in regards to the situation would be to Chris Paul. And if you're the NBA, I don't want to hear about well, this this behavior would not be tolerated, so on and so on. That those those two fans absolutely one hundred percent should be banned for life. It's just that simple. Not a not a season ban, not a uh, revoking of, of, of tickets, not an indefinite ban. A lifetime ban, lifetime, period. There's there's no two ways about it. A lifetime ban. And if you have, if you, if I'm watching Westbrook, I I need. I will come out and say that. Like that dude, that dude needs to be banned for life from a from that arena, or from an NBA. Or from, yeah, from that particular arena, banned for life. Matter of fact, banned for life from watching, from from going to any NBA arena, for that matter. We have to go. I mean, if you want to protect players, this is the extremes you have to go to. Otherwise. It will not only keep happening. It will get worse. <laughs> it will get worse. That that is. This is the society that we're living in right now. With all this going on, with the division that's in the country, all this is inter- All this is intertwined. All this is connected. Do not think for a second that it's not. Don't think that for a second that sports, sports, just because it's entertainment, don't think that sports is protected from all from all the shit that's going on uh, in, in in this country. It's because it's not. It's all connected. All of it's connected. So, again, I think players, you know, the NBA has, of course, the NBA has a job to protect its players, but the NBA, but again, I and I'll compare it to, you know, I'll make this analogy of, of, of voters putting pressure on the government, the players have to put the pressure on the NBA to protect them. Because the NBA really doesn't want to ban fans for life. They really don't want to do that. They want to walk that balance of, hey, we'll ban them for a year. Following year, we can get that get that ticket money and get that uh, season ticket money back. That's what I'm telling you. this It's a business. And don't, don't think for a second that the NBA is not thinking like that. It's still a business at the end of the day. We want to talk? Of course, tonight you will have um, the Lakers taking on um, the Lakers and Phoenix in Game Three. We'll talk more about that series later on. <clears throat> later on the podcast. But I just, I, I just have to, <laughs> I just have to. I just wanted to get on this 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 Laker Clipper dynamic and listen. I. I I, as a as a lifelong Laker fan, could frankly could frankly give two shits about the clippers. Um, they're not a rivalry. I don't think about the clippers. I don't I'm not concerned at all about the clippers. I find it interesting though about the clippers as they you know continue to embarrass themselves in the postseason. Over the last losing, you know, five straight games now to the Dallas Mavericks. No, not to the Dallas Mavericks. Five straight postseason games, going back to the series last year with Denver Nuggets, three to them, and now two to Dallas, a team that they are superior in talent, They have like you know, way more talent than, and clearly should be should not be down 2-0 in the series, and should be in the shouldn't shouldn't be in their current predicament. But, you know, a couple of years ago. When Kawhi Leonard signed with the Clippers and spurned the Lakers, the Lakers were seemingly the butt of of a lot of jokes. Kawhi used them. The Clippers have exceeded them as a far superior organization. The Clippers are, are this, that. You know, the Clippers are going to win multiple championships. Uh, And so on and so on. So we now stand, right, May 27th, 2021. And since then, the Clippers have won in these two years up until this point. They've won one playoff series. Okay. We're on the other end. We're on the wrong end of one of the most embarrassing collapses in recent NBA history. And now... They are two losses away from returning back to mediocrity, to be honest with you, because if they lose these next two games, which I expect, I expect I'll tell you right now, I think they're going to get swept myself. I picked Dallas to win the series in six games. The Clippers, to me, have will put up no resistance in Dallas. I'll, I'll be shocked if they put up any resistance moving forward in this in this series. Um, but they, you know, you know, don't be surprised, you know, they could be looking at mediocrity again, going back to the the pre Chris Paul Clippers, definitely see a world where Kawhi Leonard says, you know what, I'm out. I'll, I'll go to New York. I'll go to Miami. And then they, then the Clippers, you know, trade Paul George. And then what are you left with? <laughs> I mean, what are you left with? Marcus Morris? Terrence Mann? Patrick Beverly? <laughs> so again, this uh, things things can change quickly in the NBA. Things can change quickly in sports. Um and that's why you know, that's why that you know, when Paul George makes these comments um uh, from at the end of last season in regards to you know the window is basically the window still open. Uh, this this was you know really not a big deal that we lost. You know we'll be fine. You know championship windows don't stay open for long in sports; they close quickly. Good. Ask Chris Webber with the Sacramento Kings. Everybody thought that 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 when Sacramento took the Lakers to seven games in two thousand two, that they would have a three to four to five maybe even five year championship window. That window was closed. After by 2004, really it was only two years. They had an 02 and 03. 04, they weren't even a championship contender at that point. They had a two year window, and that was it. Windows close quickly in the world of sports. So, you know, I look at the Clippers and I look at just the mentality uh, of that franchise. Now versus the Lakers, who, despite all the struggles, injuries and what have you, find themselves in a predict- in a, with now home court advantage and find themselves still probably the class of the Western Conference. Despite, the, you know, the inconsistent play of Anthony Davis and LeBron not being, you know, LeBron from a physical standpoint. He's still mentally, you know, as sharp as a knife, but physically, he's, he's not. You know, he's probably operating at about sixty percent, seventy, maybe, maybe seventy percent, if that. But he's older. And again, we gotta start holding Kawhi Leonard. You know, I, I you know, I hear, I hear Kawhi like, and I'm, I'm a Kawhi Leonard fan. As far as his game, we know. I mean, he's a future Hall of Famer, but I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear Kawhi mentioned amongst all time greats right now. I, I just don't want to hear that conversation right now because Kawhi, again, and I said this at the end of last season, Kawhi does not raise the level of others around him. He gets his points, he puts up his numbers, his leader, and he just, those, and there are certain intangibles that great players have all time great players have Kawhi doesn't have those intangibles from a leadership standpoint and now you're at the point in his career where you basically have to to nurse him through a season. Like you know he's missing 15 to 20 games. Um he you know he's not able to guard the other team's best player for a sustain for a sustained amount of time without Fitz wearing down. Like right in, like this series, he should be, he should be the primary defender on Luca. Period. Especially after game one. Didn't spend a lot of time on Luca in game two. This guy is considered to be one of the great perimeter defensive players of all time. The best, the best in Scottie Pippen, so I'm saying. And he's 20. He's not Kawhi's not 35, 34. Kawhi is 29. Kawhi is 29. It's not, he's still this is supposed to be his prime. He's, he's supposed to be in the midst of his prime of his prime. Physically, his game, game mentally, physically, the whole nine? He's supposed to be, you're supposed to be seeing the best of Kawhi Leonard in regards to his career right now. And again, they're going to go out because it's, it's this series is over. They're going to go out again without a whimper. And I'm sorry, we gotta lay, we, listen, you wanna give them, because the, you give them all the credit when they won a championship in Toronto. Well, part of that, part of the being great, part of being a two times finals MVP, a part of being recognized as one of the top five players in the world, you gotta take that smoke when the shoe is on the other foot. Want to spend a minute on Aaron Rodgers. Um, thinking about this today in regards to this the situation uh, there might be a narrative that green bay has done Aaron Rodgers dirty that green bay has not maximized Rodgers Rodgers MVP years or his best years they should have more super bowls and all those can be all those things could be could be true the bottom line to me, in regards to the situation, is I can't see Green Bay trading Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I like I really, I, I, you know, I've been thinking about it more as, as, as you know, we get to a point where mini camps are coming up, OTAs, training camp will be coming up in, a few, in in about what couple of months late July, about two months, you know, six, seven to eight weeks. And I just I don't see a scenario where Rogers sits out training camp or misses or misses time during the season. Like I don't I I, I maybe I could be dead wrong. Like Aaron Rodgers might pull a heat it is all it is possible. It is very much possible that Aaron Rodgers pulls a Emmitt Smith. If you go back, you remember back in 93, Emmitt Smith won the contract extension, the 93 season, won a new contract. He sat the first two games. Dallas was, went 0-2. Then Aaron, uh, the Emmitt Smith guys got, got his money, and Dallas proceeded to go win the second straight Super Bowl. I, I just don't, and again, I just don't see a situation where Aaron Rodgers does that. It seems to me that Green Bay is steadfast in in their ways, in their system, in their culture. Of this is how, this is what we do. This is how it's done. No one, you know, we're not going to allow one person, even if it is Aaron Rodgers, to dictate our culture. Even even so even to me, even like forget about forget about trading him. I don't even I I don't even see us in it, like they haven't even addressed, you know, you know, you got Julio Jones on the market right now. I I I would make it would make perfect sense to me for them to trade. They really want to fix a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. It would make perfect sense for them to go out there and trade for Julio Jones. I don't see it happening. It's just not it's just not the Packers way. I don't see it happening. And you know, Julio Jones would be, you know, would obviously fit perfectly with um with Green Bay, uh not having to be the number one. And you know, when you get, I mean, we'll talk more about Julio Jones, but you know, when you get Julio Jones, you know Julio Jones is not playing 16 games. So I and Green Bay is equipped to have Julio Jones just play 10 to 12 games and, and be helped and be ready for the playoffs. That's that's all it is to it. I mean you almost have to treat Julio Jones somewhat like Kawhi Leonard from that standpoint in terms of load management because he's physically he's been you know physically breaking down over the last few years of his uh, of his career. And he's not, you know, he's not he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's what he's what 32 years old? Yeah I think he's I think Julio Jones is about 32. But um he's up there. But I think Green Bay has shown you. They Green Bay has shown has not shown any. They haven't shown that they are going to give into Rogers. You know, even even I mean, offering more money that that's yeah. privately offering more money. I I don't think that's giving into Aaron Rodgers whatsoever. I mean, you can restructure contracts. You can add put but you know you can put players give players signing bonuses or incentive bonuses I mean you there are ways you can you can give players more money give a player, especially a you know, quarterback more money and you know it seems like Rogers is not worried about that they, you know according to him is about respect and, and and how you know and bottom line he doesn't want the can't stand the general manager but again I don't see a scenario where Aaron Rodgers is traded, like I, I just don't at all. Like I'll be shocked. And there are deals. Listen, Green. There are deals to be out there. Like you can go to Miami if you're Green Bay, and and clean house. You can get two. You can get a possible quarterback who could maybe be a franchise quarterback. And Tunga and Tua and Tua. You can get multiple draft picks. They have a boatload of capital trade capital does the Miami Dolphins with all these draft picks and how much talent they have on that roster. That would be the ideal team that I would deal with. And you're trading them out of the, out of the conference. And of course, Aaron Rodgers on, on, on Miami there, they are instant Super Bowl contenders. But again, I don't see it. I just don't. And I mean, Rodgers, he has some leverage. If he's willing to sit out games, I don't know if he's willing to sit out games. Like if you start if started missing games and that that creates leverage because the team's gonna lose. And you know, then other players are gonna be pissed off. Not at him as they're gonna be pissed off at the organization. So we will see how this plays plays out. If Rodgers is traded after June first, then that will give uh Green Bay a lot of Salary cap flexibility; it will save a ton of money in regards to to regards to this year's salary cap and also future a in salary cap their salary cap situation in the future as, as well. So, it, if he's traded, it will be after June first, without question. He's not getting traded before then. I'm um, getting back to the NBA playoffs. So the last couple of nights, things have kind of returned to. Have returned to order. Has kind of been restored um, outside. Of, what, of course, what's going on in in, in uh, what was going on in the Dallas Clipper series. Um, so, Miami, Philadelphia, and Boston. Maybe Miami, Miami, and Philadelphia had punches chances to win in Game One. Those were their games to win. I Boston has zero chance to win, even though that game game their Game One was competitive. And we saw what happened in game two so we in the eastern conference this is this is just what you have to deal with in eastern conference eastern conference is top heavy those three teams are heads and shoulders above the rest of the conference without it goes without saying and you were going to get some ass whoopings in the first round there's just all this to it maybe in the first couple the first the first round there was just all this to it um and now you're in a situation where. Um, I don't know how I. I don't know what how, how much Miami has left in the tank. They could be swept. Even though I think they'll probably get one game, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's a sweep. The Philadelphia Washington that's going to be a sweep to me. We know Boston is going to be a sweep. Boston Brooklyn is going to be a sweep. Uh so but you know you still have Atlanta New York, which I think probably will go to will go to seven games. But this would this is what was going to happen in the Eastern Conference. Like it was just going it was inevitable considering how dominant those three teams are at the top of the conference. There was no other team that was were, were going to challenge those three teams. They had, you know, in regards to Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. So you can already start looking in, looking forward, looking, uh, we, can, we can already start looking ahead to that Milwaukee, Brooklyn, which will be I mean, that, that will be like a, that will be like a, a like a finals to be honest with you. that. That is like a finals matchup. Forget about just some. Forget about, uh, Eastern, uh, Eastern conference, semifinals matchup. That is like a, that, you know, that could be an NBA finals matchup in regards to how the quality of the teams. Um, we've seen, uh, young stars really take shape in these playoffs led by Job Moran, who, When you look at what he's done, the last three games, go go back to the play-in game, Golden State, he goes for 35. He goes for 26 in game one of the Utah series, and last night he goes for 43. Um, Only George Mikan, I think, has scored more points in his first two playoff games in the history of the NBA. Um, this is a guy, and again, remember last year in the playing game that they lost to Portland, he scored 35. So, this guy, and again, this—he's doing this without a jump shot. That's the scary part of Rant. He's doing this without a, a, a jump shot. And I, I said this to somebody last night. I think he's going to be a better version of Russell Westbrook. I really, I think he's Westbrook under control. And I think he's a guy who will be a winner in this league. I think he's. I I I think that that you can. I, I think he has the potential to be a best player to be the best player on, on a um, on a championship team if the franchise puts the right pieces in place. He's that dynamic of a talent, and that frankly, that dynamic of a leader. I mean, last night, you look at that game last night. Utah was supposed to win by thirty points. Everything was set up for that for, for Utah to destroy uh, Memphis, and I thought they would. I, I thought it would be an ass whooping. But he single handedly, along with Dylan Brooks, who was in foul trouble, still had twenty three points uh, in twenty in, in limited play. Uh, he basically almost single handedly scared you know scared the hell out of Utah and made that game a lot more difficult than Utah than it probably should have been. And this guy, he can get, he gets to the paint at will, at will. And again, we, you know, he, he doesn't, he does not have a a, a consistent jump shot, let alone three point shot, even though, you know, he uh, got hot in that golden state game, but he doesn't have a, he's not a good, he's not a good jump shooter at this stage of his career, but um, he is. So he is showed out in these playoffs and, and, and really, you know, in his short, uh, in in big games, in big games the last two years, in big games the last two years, he's been he's just been flat out dominant. Uh, of course, Devin Booker um, and Trey Young. Devin Booker has been the best player in the Lakers series up to the first two games, and Trey Young, without question, has been the best player in the New York Knicks series through the first couple games. So you see, and again. The one common denominator for these young players coming in, coming in and, and, and playing as well as they play, and he's po- is that the fact that they all they are all perimeter perimeter players. They're all perimeter players. Zion Williamson, for all the numbers that he's putting up, you know, didn't make the playoffs this year. He put up some big numbers. So, and again, that organ. And we all know that that you know they had injuries and they are one one of the worst coach teams in the league, without saying. But uh, it is a perimeter dominated league, period. It is a absolute perimeter dominated league, and um, you know the big man still has value, size in the NBA still has value, but you got to have one of these guys that can put the ball on the floor and that can that can create for others at a high high level to even have a chance. Uh, in today's nba Uh luka and jokic have gotten off to really historic starts in regards to what their playoff in terms of their playoff careers um luka through that's only played 8 games and of course all against the clippers i'm sure he wishes he could play the clippers you know every playoff series of his life uh the way he's owned them but luka in eight games uh, up until this point, is uh, look, at, look at his numbers here 32, 32 9, and 8. 32, 8, and 9 shooting 50% from the field and about 38% from, uh, from the three point line, uh, from the three point range. And Jokic, who has, you know, was played a lot more, who has played, you know, Jokic is a little bit older. He's played in 35 playoff games. Jokic is, has been 25, 11, and 6, shooting 52% from the field and over 41% from three-point range. So these, I mean, both of these players have seemingly, have, have been dominant in early on throughout the playoff careers, Jokic. And really, I mean, it really you have to go back to thinking about players who have gotten off to these kind type of starts. I mean, you're talking about Kevin Durant and LeBron James, to be honest with you. You look at when you compare, you know, when you look at what Durant and LeBron James did in their first playoff, uh, first couple of playoff years. Remember Durant, you know, 2010, he took the Lakers the sixth game. Yeah, was in the NBA Finals, was in the NBA Finals by year three. Uh, LeBron, his uh, first playoff, of course, lost that seven-game series to Detroit, played well, played well uh, in, what, 13 games? Uh, played well. Played well in 13 games in that, that playoff series season, and the next year at the age of 22 was in the NBA Finals in 2007. Now, Jokic, you, Luca has yet to win the playoff series, so we'll, you no, know, we'll see a, a a big test for him. Will be we, we, we to finish off this series if he's great as we, if he's as great as we think he is, and as talented as we think he is, as we know he is, then he will finish the, the Clippers off. Luca has already, uh, Jokic has already been the best player on a team that went to the, uh, went to the conference finals last year before uh, falling to the Lakers. So you got, you know. You have a, a number of talented young stars who have, are, ta- are, are beginning to take over the league, are beginning to take over the league. And you still get still have LeBron, still have Durant. There are still some guys in that, that age range of 28, that 28 to 29 age range that are still top players. Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, still have those guys. Those guys are still around but like you can feel a change. You can feel it's, there's a shift change coming in the NBA. And normally when this happens, it happens quicker, sooner than later, when you talk about generational talents, like like a Luka, when you talk about franchise caliber players, like a Ja Devin Booker, Trey Young, or, or Nikolaj Jokic, jo, jo, jo- excuse me. As far as tonight's games, um, again, we'll see what I expect the Lakers to win to take out Phoenix. I just don't think Phoenix has anything, has anything without Chris Paul. I I don't think that they can just, it's just too much to ask them to push the Lakers to the limit without, you know, their best, without their best closer. without frankly, one of the best closers in the league. That's why they lost game two. I mean, they, they were right there. That game was right there for the taking um if chris paul would have been you know uh, healthy enough to close uh not a bad idea about charles barkley i mean barkley mentioned something last night that they only get if you're phoenix you only need to get one game to to regain whole court advantage that it would not be the worst idea to sit him for this game and then next game is done so i think sunday and yeah sunday in game four and play and he, so in essence he would have had off in essence, he would have had off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So basically four and a half, four, four, four and a half days. Might, it's not a bad idea, right? It's not a bad idea. Is it gonna make the, make a huge difference? I don't know. If he's that injured, then that injury is not going, going, going away in regards to the shoulder, but it's not a bad idea to sit him this game and play uh, and go and, uh, and get him ready, getting ready, ready to go all in in a game four Uh, in regards to Denver Portland. um, I don't think that Portland will be. Denver will be able to get away with Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard. I expect Lillard to make the adjustment on that. um, To make the adjustment in regards to that matchup to be ready for that matchup. Seems like they were that he was thrown off by that matchup in game two. Uh, yeah, of course he had 32 in the first half and ended up with what only had 10 points in the second half and then give Aaron Gordon credit, but a big man and Aaron Gordon in today's NBA is a big man. Uh, cannot, is not gonna buy, not gonna, uh, stop, uh, Dame Lillard. um, uh, it's not gonna stop Dame Lillard over a sustained uh, amount of time. And again, I don't expect much. I don't know what to expect out of Miami. You would think that they would show some pride. And in front of their home fans, and uh, not go to you know not go out quietly. But after last, but after the but after Tuesday, I don't know. Uh, that was not a good sign Tuesday. Um, in regards to the effort, in regards to how to, you know, in regards to it wasn't just so many. It just wasn't just so many th- so much the threes that Milwaukee made, but Milwaukee got Milwaukee. It, there was no resistance by Miami, and again Jimmy Butler. And give Giannis credit for this. Uh, Giannis has done a good job on Jimmy Butler throughout the course of the series, minus the one possession at the end of the game in Game One, which I don't you know. He basically played you know Olay defense for that, but minus that, he basically had Jimmy Butler on lock, uh, so he deserves credit for that. Um, but I, I would have to think that Miami would show some pride in this, in tonight, and and pro in more, and win Game Three, and win Game Three. But I did not like what I saw after uh on tuesday of course we mentioned earlier julio jones is on the trading block um i'll i'll say this about about julio jones if you're a team trade for julio jones if your team trade julio jones you better make sure that you have a backup plan like you better have receivers that you got to be deep at the receiver position. You, if you put all your eggs eggs in the Julio Jones basket, you, you're going to come up, um, you know, you're going to come up short. Julio Jones is not going to play 16 games, or no, or this year 17 games because there's extra game, probably it's an extra game this year. It's not going to happen. You, you get 12 games out of Julio Jones, or 11 games out of Julio Jones, consider that to be a success, and you are if you're. If you're training for, them, I'm assuming it's going to be a contending team like Tennessee or the Patriots. You're playing for the postseason. You got to be thinking about the postseason as well. You better have some depth at that receiver spot. I'm not sure either one of those teams are equipped to be counting on Julio Jones and make Julio Jones their primary their primary receiver. Uh, Green Bay is because Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is a number one. And they have some other depth, they have some depth, they have a good tight end as well. All those teams are I I, I don't see Tennessee. They, I only I definitely don't think New England with their receiver situation. I know they went out and got some got addressed the tight end situation, but they still, I if Julio Jones is on that roster, he is by far, by far the way, their best receiver. So I don't even think that would be a good situation considering uh Julio Jones's uh recent injury struggles. So to me. If I'm training Julio Jones, I'm already established at the receiver position. And I and him having him on a team is more of a luxury than a necessity. Uh Phil Mickelson, of course, you know, Phil, Phil Mickelson won PGA championship uh last Sunday. Really one of the most remarkable major wins. Um in the last decade, um, certainly Tiger Woods is la- Tiger Woods in 2019 Masters is up there as well. But this one, I would say, this one's even more impressive. I mean, Phil is Phil, of course, is the oldest major winner in history at the age of 50, and the fact that Phil Mickelson had done nothing in majors for the better part of the last basically five years. He has one top 20 finish in the last five years. He's won. We he have won one major since 2013. The last major win came in 2013. And the fact that he had won a tournament in two years, like Phil, there's nothing, there was no no reason to believe that Phil Mickelson could contend, let alone win another major championship. And it's one of the reasons why you have to love golf because of that type of unpredictability where a guy can get hot and things come good and you know, things, you know, breaking, everything breaks in the right place. Uh, Things break in place, um, fall in place i should say and next thing you know he has a champ he has a major championship the thing i found that was funny about this it may not have been funny to the other golfers was when phil mickelson was losing majors and constantly i mean constantly falling apart phil mickelson has six majors which is which ranks amongst the top 10 or 11 all time and he's he's an all-time great phil Mickelson. Based on his talent and based on how many times he's been in contention, probably should have anywhere from 10 to 12 majors, considering how many times he's fallen apart uh on 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 on, on Sundays in majors. Uh he has six runner-ups in the US open, uh in the US Open, which is a, which is a record. Um to watch everybody else around him fall apart. On Sunday was kind of ironic because that to me that over the course of Phil Mickelson that had been that that was Phil Mickelson in majors he was the one that was falling apart taking taking unnecessary chances uh, gambling too much on his own talent and it of course cost uh, cost him this major uh, Phil in this particular you know you know with 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 age comes wisdom uh, comes wisdom Phil in this particular in this particular tournament on Sunday really. Didn't take a lot of chances, really played the course, you know, was, was, was happy with the taking pars. So, you know, it took, it took a while Took a you know, took 20 years or so, you know, Phil finally figured it out from that standpoint, has finally figured it out that every shot doesn't have to be the greatest shot in the golf. Um, And that, you know, golf is a sport where others beat themselves as much as their opponents outplaying them, um, so that that is the half half the battle. Uh, a lot of times, when it comes to the sport of golf, that is of course the, the 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 player will beat themselves more so than their opponent or even the golf course. So that again, that is without question, a historic major championship win, and it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see. And I look, you know, Phil looks like he's in better shape. You know, who knows what? You know, maybe you, maybe Phil can win. Two or three more majors. I don't know. I mean, I'm very interested in watch him at the US Open this year, a place that he, I'm sure would, and this is, this is the final check mark of his career. If he wins this major, his career will be complete from a standpoint he would have off, have won all four majors. Um, so this, you know, this is kind of like the final, uh, it would it will be the final, uh, it will become, you know, the strawberry, you know, on the on the, it'll be the final topping, the cherry on top, so to speak, for his for his entire for his career if he were to win uh, the U.S. Open this year. Um, didn't get a chance to having a uh, chance to talk about Golden State, uh, in regards to the NBA. Of course, Golden State did not make the playoffs; they lost in a in a classic playing game with Memphis, where John Moran frankly outplayed Steph Curry. But with that being said, um, Golden State will be back. Um, Steph Curry is, and reports are reports have, have surfaced surfaced. It is no, it should be no surprise that Steph Curry is going to sign that four-year, two hundred and fourteen million dollars super max extension. Like Steph Curry, the idea that anybody thought that Steph Curry would, would go in ring chase, like go to the Lakers or go to another place, is is insane. He, you have two hundred fourteen million dollars on the table, and he loves playing in Golden State. That is his franchise. He that you know he's not going anywhere he will i think will retire a golden state Warrior, in my opinion and they will have a championship caliber team next year if clay thompson returns at 90 percent uh and engage draymond green and they have they have lottery picks they have they're going to have probably more likely two lottery picks in a in a a talented draft especially up top to make to go out there and make a move for for an all-star for for some players that can help them out uh that can uh Help them out next year, so uh, I think Golden State will be fine next year. I actually think not making the playoffs helps them. To be honest with you, and I like some of their, I like frankly like some of their core players, uh, some of their younger core uh, core players uh, uh, that they that, that that they developed over the course uh, of this season. And even Wiggins had Wiggins, who could be a trade piece. Wiggins had a nice season. See, and you know, you put Wiggins as a fourth or fifth guy. He can, Wiggins could be the fourth best player on the championship, team, or fourth or fifth best player, best player on a championship team. On a championship team, he could be a defensive stalwart uh, with his athleticism. I thought he played well towards the latter part of the of the year, in particular, and uh, latter part of the year, especially in April, uh, April and May, uh, especially in April and May. So that team is going to be a problem next year, without question. And there's no again, there's no way Steph Curry is going anywhere. Uh, in terms of leaving that franchise, that is, you you can book it that he will be a a a Golden State Warrior for the remainder part of of his career. That's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. I will see you next time. Enjoy.